0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less. I am your host, Ray Harkins, and I'm recording this at night. Normally I do this during the day, so I feel like I'm, uh, I'm a little more chill, relaxed. And I hope whatever time you're listening to this, you're also chill and relaxed too. I also do this hand motion that you can't see that signifies the chill and relaxedness. Our guest this week is Mike Hartsfield. He is the owner of New Age Records, a very important independent record label from the mid-90s and uh, is also still somewhat active today. He also is a member of Outspoken and he also played in a million other bands like Strife and Against the Wall, a bunch of other stuff. He's, he's He's a fixture within the Southern California independent music and more specifically hardcore scene. Uh, More about him in a minute. Let's talk about Property of Zach. I know all of you are probably sick about hearing this website, but, you know, people join the show at certain times. And sometimes people that have never listened to the show will listen to this episode and never listen to another one. And that's fine. Propertyofzach.com. Visit them for all of the most recent, up-to-date, breaking news In regards to independent music. And they've got a lot of great editorial, album reviews, tour announcements, all that type of stuff. So go visit there. I visit there on a daily basis. Show show them some love because we appreciate the support they give our show. Also, review the show. If you go boot up your iTunes, hop in there, give a few stars. And maybe if you're feeling a little generous, you can write a few sentences about the show. Uh, I really would appreciate that. We've like ninety two, ninety three, come or yeah, reviews on the uh, on iTunes here in the states, and I really wanted to break a hundred. We're close. We're getting there. Again, I really appreciate the United Kingdom. You guys are stepping up. You guys seem to really like the show, and so many more people from the UK are checking it out, and that is amazing. So thank you. I like to check in from time to time with one of my good friends. Uh, I used to do a podcast with him. His name is Scott Arnold. He's a very intelligent man, and he also combs the internet for the finest of things to recommend to you beautiful folks. And uh, I sat down with him about a week or so ago, and he gave me these amazing nuggets. And I've both checked them out since our conversation, and they're both absolutely incredible. So, without further ado, here's a segment with Scott. I'm just going to dive right into the interview with Mike afterwards. All right, talk to you then. Sitting here. It's been a while since yes. we've last met. It this happens. is our
1: cultural correspondent, Mr. Scott Arnold. Back from my globe trotting, doing research for the podcast.
0: He's we, we've we've flown him around the world, and basically, well, actually, it's a better way of putting it. We've flown him around the internet. Yeah. And this is what Scott has uh, come up with. So, uh, what's your what's your first item of recommendation, Scott?
1: I have two things. Okay. My first one is a new digital magazine. Okay. Called Aeon. That is A-E-O-N magazine.com. Okay. Their idea is that every day they publish a new essay, long-form essay, wow. with like high-end writers that they pay. And then so the sort of headings on their website are worldviews, nature, being human, living together. Interesting. Yeah. And it's all free content? All free. So I read one about the FARC rebels in Columbia mm-hmm. and how... Peace is kind of coming to Columbia, and these people are still passionate about fighting. Okay. They don't really have a cause anymore. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, a lot of good stuff. They sell ads on there? Like, is it, is it just... I, I don't know. How they're monetizing their site yet? It, it's a really clean design. I didn't notice any ads. That's
0: cool. But, so, each one of those headers, they're publishing an article a day? Or is it one no, article it's a day? No, one article a day. Of, that politics. falls into that yeah. category. Got
1: it. If you like to read, check it out. It seems
0: to be the... Uh, the wave of the media future, you know, they have like ten sites that they write for, and they write insanely in depth, you know, or Enough. you know, like four thousand words on this subject or whatever. It just <laughs> seems to me it's like you know Grantland, like Bill Simmons, site, yeah, and like those other sites that just seem to like Matter, like you know what you pointed out to me previously.
1: Do you see Matter was acquired? You yeah, get that email? I did. It's weird, huh? Yeah, I don't know what
0: that means for it, but I don't either.
1: Did you read the new story?
0: I haven't yet. I'm behind. The last two are really seem good. really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, so it's just like this idea that people want to read Quality. really Yeah. And it's like you even though the idea that, you know, like Time magazine or whatever, like that's still reputable, I don't know, it just seems to be like obviously that is now transferring like how that will look on the internet.
1: It's kinda of weird because I think the path to doing that kind of work before was a journalism degree. Followed by years of kind of paying your dues and Mm -hmm. then eventually getting like a nice job at like the New York Times. Right. Where, you know, you can make a really healthy living, live in New York and fly around the world exploring your stories. But I don't think those jobs are out there anymore. Yeah. So you're kind of up to your own devices to be able to do that work and publish it and live a nice life. Yeah. So.
0: Like I just the I don't know if you saw on Grantland, that article in the Iditarod dog race. No. It's insane because I mean it's like a, it's like a four-part story. I mean it's it just insanely in depth because basically the idea is that this journalist followed around the dog race from Nome to Anchorage or whatever, really? which is like a you know it's a massive undertaking. Yeah, and so he miles. flew with it, but it's just one of those things where it's like trying to wrap your head around like the resources that it takes to do that, and like oh my god, like how is this sustainable? Like from a just a purely business standpoint, where it's like this this it costs thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars to make this happen. One story. For one story, for a dude to do this, and I don't know, it's just, it's crazy. But, I mean, that's obviously the model of magazines, how they've existed for years. And yeah,
1: but the difference is in a magazine, it's published once a month or maybe once a week. Right. The internet, that story's big for a day or two, and then... That's what you would hope, yeah. You know, like, and then it goes... Gone. Right. It there's goes there's in the archives.
0: Right. Yeah. Anyways, so, that magazine. I will check it out. I've not checked it out yet. And then what
1: uh, What else do you have? This is even a higher recommendation. Ooh, this is my new favorite podcast, and okay. you know I'm a long-time podcast fan. Yep. It's called Hardcore History, and basically there's this guy named Dan Carlin who calls himself a history fan, not an academic.
0: Not a buff. History buff. You right. hear that word, and it's like little...
1: So basically he takes one subject, uh, the most recent one was about the Mongols, and he just tells the entire story, however long it takes, 12 hours, 20 hours, breaks it up into podcasts, and it's... Like the most entertaining thing to listen to. I would consider a person like myself,
0: like I, I enjoyed history in high school, but I would by no means find myself reading non-fiction books based on history. I just don't, uh, not like that I don't find it interesting, but maybe just in the presentation, I don't know, like I don't find myself wanting to read that, so yeah. I don't know if I want to listen to something like that.
1: That's a good point. I think it's presented, I like history, mm. um, but I think it's presented in a way that Someone who wasn't would be entertained by it, right? So it's kind of I don't know. It's like you can watch a history channel on anything, and it's kind of interesting. Sure, it's in that vibe, that
0: vein. Yeah. So you could kind of drop in wherever. Would you recommend that, like, a person jump in at like the starting point of one of his like?
1: Yeah. So they're in blocks. There's like um, one about the Blitz, at World War Two. Mm. Um, there's one about the Mongols, and some there's some smaller ones in between. And I would definitely recommend starting from the beginning. Because they're sequential, and there's a lot of names and stuff you have to Remember. Yeah, it's great for long drives. Interesting. Also, he has a current events podcast called Common Sense. Mm -hmm. So basically, whenever, like, a... Is it a daily, or is it a weekly? Well, whenever it's appropriate, so... Oh, okay. uh, Recently, the North Koreans are, you know, getting a little crazy. Right, right, right. And then he'll just talk about the kind of military realities of that, and what we have to worry about and what mm-hmm. will likely happen, and you know me being a worrier i was like oh i'm gonna get drafted right life's gonna be over we're gonna die soon sure and then after listening to that i'm like they're just hungry
0: you yeah your your fears are calmed mm-hmm. you're not gonna go to war now. literally they're just hungry
1: and they want us to send them more food
0: right check it out those are, those are both great recommendations and those that will round out Scott's cultural corner. Yeah.
1: Thank yeah. you. See you in a few months after. Yeah. Thank, Thank you for corresponding. More journeys. <laughs> Spark.
0: like I guess interaction memory like Mm. what I have with just you know you as an entity there's Mm. two two specific things one was I distinctly remember buying because I mean I'm, I'm 32 so it's like I was uh Outspoken had already been broken up by the time that like I started to get into stuff because uh-huh. you guys played your last show in like what 94? 94, yeah, yeah. yeah and so yeah I, like in ninety six I, I want to say it's like I bought I think I, I think I bought a light and dark uh-huh. um, I thought it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those things where I was like at that time you like you couldn't sample anything so right. I, I remember distinctly like getting that and because this at the time I was way more into like the metallic hardcore type mm-hmm. stuff so it's like excessive force and strife were like. Speaking right, to me. right, and I listened out, and like I was like, "Why do people say outspoken is such a good band? Like this record just doesn't." But then I got the current EP, mm-hmm. and then it was just like, then I was like, "I get it now. Like <laughs> it makes total sense. Like it just it, it was one of those. we were things, on a journey to get to that record, <laughs> right? Right, which is and it, it, it's 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 so cool to see like bands make that distinct leap to where it's just like." this is what they've always wanted to do. Right, right, <laughs> This right, is what right. they wanted right. to create. Yeah. And so I just, yeah, that, that was always distinct in my memory. And then there's there another where, um, it was, Memon 18 was around, and that's when, like, Taken <laughs> was playing a lot of shows that, like uh-huh. Coos and stuff like that. And I remember, you, I came home one day, and it, my mom, like, there was a note on my door and said Mike Hartsfield called and it was one of those things where yeah, like, you were calling to like either just like be like hey let's set up a show at Coos or whatever right. it was just one of those simple things but like I didn't I didn't know you uh-huh. and it was like and but I knew of you uh-huh. and I was just like I was like mom what the fuck do you mean Mike Hartsfield called like <laughs> You know these guy like, Oh, like, holy shit. It was just one of those things where it's like, but because it was like, obviously we're just, you know, two hardcore kids. Right. right. Just, but at the time I was just kinda of like,
2: why like this yeah. is this is crazy?
0: What do you mean? Like, sure, of course we'll play a show of coos together. But it was just, and it just, you know, it, it puts you back in that sort of like teenage mentality where it's just like, yeah. Oh my god, like, I can't believe that. Right. Right. I mean, I'm sure there was distinct moments where it's like, people, like, you interacted with someone who you were like, oh, wow, like, it's that dude.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Who, who, like, do you have a distinct memory of, like, that?
2: Well, I've had some of those that are not too far away. I've had some of those recently. Right. Where you're kind of like, it just brings you back to realize that those things still matter. <laughs> right. And, I mean, I had an instance uh, probably six years ago. Uh-huh. I walked into Guitar Center in yeah. Fountain Valley, and I saw Gavin. From Bill Fernanser K Nation, right, and I got so flustered I couldn't talk to him. (laughs) I I met him in 1988, right, and I saw him six years ago, and I was like, like because he's that guy to me. He's a guitar guy that when I was trying to be a guitar player, he was already doing records and doing great things, right. And uh, he's one of the guys that I have always looked up to, right. But. I mean, if I was expecting to meet him there, I'm sure I could have... Like,
0: prepared yourself yeah, for yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean,
2: I'm like... And later, I'm like, why didn't I... Just you know, like I, And it was probably like... If he saw me, he's probably like, oh, why is Mike being a dick? Why is he walking... He's yeah, yeah. running away over in the corner to, you know... <laughs> right, right. Have a moment, but uh yeah and
0: uh it, but it is. is i mean i think like obviously with age it comes one of those things where it's like yeah you might you might go to that sort of like you know shy mentality but they're right. just like well there's just a dude like,
2: yeah yeah and that's what i think about like wow, well, we could have had a great conversation but instead i i yeah. nerded out and got too excited but i mean even with like uh like Facebook and things
0: like that like
2: I got a friend request from the singer of Hard Stance that I've never met before but Hard Stance is one of my all time favorite bands and I wanted to take a screenshot of it and go like yeah this is incredible it's it's the guy from Hard Stance and You know, like, I friend requested the singer from Straight Ahead two weeks ago and he accepted my friend request. And it's like... Yeah. It's those moments... Right, right, right. Everyone has them to whatever degree, whatever genre, whatever interest anyone's into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like the... You know, I guess it means that you still... It still means something. And there's still connections and you're still excited about the things you've been into for decades. Right, the things
0: that you were obviously supposed to grow out of at some point.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally. Like, grow up... Yeah. Get a real life, whatever. Right,
2: or at least those things that you think will, like, those peaks of interest will dull a little bit. And they'll, yeah. They'll be cool, and they're but you'll right. get excited about it, maybe.
0: Right, so. right, right, for sure. But, you're, yeah. you're, like, in the whole idea that it's, like, oh, man, like, probably, like, ten people would care about this. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. But singer, I do. I am one of them. <laughs> the
1: singer for hard
2: stands friend requested you. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, yeah. and the thing is, like, everybody that I know mostly from Orange County knows right. him, and, like... Just a guy. Yeah, But yeah, to yeah. me, it's like the guy I've never met that sang and did all these Right, right, records. right.
0: We've traveled in the same circles forever, yeah. but I don't know him. Exactly. Yeah, 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 It's exactly what it is. Um, so were you, uh, you know, going back to the very beginning, born and raised, like, in the Orange County area or, like, L.A. LA County area? No, like where? well, uh,
2: northern L.A. County. Uh, right. I grew up in Santa Clara Valley. Okay. And, like, from zero to 17, same house, same area. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I grew up, like, I went to the same school, grade school, all sixth grades, junior high school Like, all of my schooling was very...
0: Yeah, your parents weren't moving around. Yeah, I wasn't moving like around.
2: There was no divorce. There was no trading off. Or anything. What was your
0: What was your family structure like?
2: Uh, it was very, to me, it was very middle America. Mm-hmm. It was very, like, dad worked all day. Mom, you know, helped with, you know, Little League baseball teams. Yeah, and, yeah. and, like, my mom became the president of Little League baseball at one time. Really? And was like, yeah, and she was like... <laughs> My mom was the president of Little League Baseball, wow. and uh, she was just always, like, might not have had jobs, but was very active and very go-getting and sure. TAs and doing all those things. And
0: uh, Did you have brothers and sisters? Or yeah, that? I had two okay. of the brothers okay. who
2: were in Little League, and I was in Little League, and it was kind of like the, yeah, they did it, and I'm supposed to do it, and I'm supposed to be interested, but I'd rather do BMX. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to go do some cross-ups, and, right. like, they can practice baseball. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, my interests like they still like baseball. I I might go to a game with friends. Right, but right. I couldn't watch baseball. Well, it's, I mean it's
0: and it, obviously it sounds like it's too where it's like obviously both your brothers did it and it was like such a part of the family's culture that it was you yeah. kind of like I don't know. Maybe I want to do something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's
2: not a, like an eight. Like oh, I'm not doing this baseball crap. Right, I'm right, going right. to do something else. It's like oh, I'm a kid. Baseball, it's a game. I'll we'll try sh- it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See
0: what's see what's up with it.
2: Yeah, and so, but through them, luckily, uh, my oldest brother was into like what is now classic rock. Uh-huh. Then it was contemporary. It was right, right. current music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, my my middle brother, our middle brother, yeah. uh, was more into like heavy metal. Okay, like, that was like he was in the. Like KISS and A C D C and all okay. that stuff and I'm like, Okay, I'm sticking with you. Like right, you. Right. I like what you're doing better, it's a little crazier. Right. And then the more I got into metal, I got more into obscure metal and then like thrash metal and it's like, like you, was, you
0: you you dove deeper than your brother. Right, right, right exactly.
2: Right, right. And I was like twelve or thirteen and I started a metal zine and I'm like music is my thing, like this is
3: really This you is know, what I'm attaching Yeah, to. Yeah,
2: and and I was so young and uh, I was going to like shows at like 12, 13, 14 like going to right. the Troubadour and the Country Club and going all these places that after the fact started doing mostly started doing hardcore shows right, and right, doing right. different
0: things uh, what did but, your uh, what your dad do for a living? He,
2: he worked for ITT Gilfill and he designed radars Wow. Yeah, and that's pretty intense. Yeah, I I could
0: see why he would be absent a lot because that's an intense job. Right,
2: right. <laughs> and he would uh he would go on like business trips sometimes, but he was usually home every night. That's cool. And uh but like we would go to the like bring your family to the job and like we oh, would yeah. go to his place at Van Nuys uh-huh. and then we'd go to like a battleship and like we'd oh there's the radar and yeah. it's on the battleship and there it is and there's a helicopter gonna land <laughs> and everyone can take a picture and right. uh it was stuff that just blew my mind on a weird level. Right uh and he was like you know six i graduated on 17 and he's like well what college are you gonna go to and i'm like are you kidding me college dude this music thing's like that's what i'm this is the ticket yeah i'm cut out for this stuff right you know like and this was uh right before i started the label so i was just starting to get into bands that actually had song structure like oh, we're gonna do this four times Then we're going to do this four times. Then we're going to go back to that first part four times. And, like, I was like, wow, like, music is starting to...
0: We can actually create something. Yeah, like... It's not the worst thing ever. Right. Right.
2: We're not having the neighbors just come over and, like, what are you doing, killing a cat in here? Like, what's going on?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but... And so, like, you not Not to fast forward too far, but the... So the... So as you started to kind of enter high school and, like, your formative years and everything... Um, so you were like, by that time you were full on like metalhead, like long hair and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was, that was your reality.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was Slayer and like all the bands that were playing the country club Mm -hmm. and I started to shy away from the arena rock stuff okay, and be the stuff that you could be face to face with. Got it. And I think that's what kind of, when I transitioned into hardcore, Uh it was kind of like, that's what drove me is the... You're looking for the more intimate right, experience. Not, not so much the seats and the balcony as, as if you can be right. against the stage and right near. So I think like I was appealing more to the underground side of music mm-hmm. and flyers on telephone poles and like the the kind of the subculture that even heavy metal had at the time.
0: Right, right. Of
2: like zines and things were like even were there was something tangible
0: that you could do that could directly relate to this music right, exactly. right it wasn't just like you know i would go to one concert every six months yeah right.
2: yeah it wasn't something you see an ad in the paper for and then you right. go attend right. that concert and you don't have any kind of connection to it yeah
0: like bmx was obviously like so you were doing that as you were kind of getting into metal and like that was like yeah
2: the, yeah it was all kind of like that sense of growing up and uh, uh and I couldn't, you know, when I was in high school, like I couldn't play. Like I was barely learning how to play bass. Okay. Like I went, and I I took some guitar lessons, uh-huh. and I just got to a weird point where like I'm, I can't learn Mary had a little lamb anymore. Like it's just, yeah, 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 like the guy that was teaching me had like a kind of a Beatles haircut, and he right. had this like hollow body guitar, and I'm like, that's not where I want to be. Like I've right. got a go around this and like figure out what to do right so uh i knew a guy in high school named paul who ended up being the guitar player for free will okay and he was into nardcore he was into what was going on in orange county okay he was where i wanted to be already right and uh he was totally what
0: what, what appeal like you just i mean because obviously like you said you were you know fully entrenched into metal like what was it what was appealing about that like to you where it's like oh, this is something that, like, looks interesting, or is it just, well, like... I well, was,
2: I was making the transition from, like, uh-huh. German thrash metal and, sure. like, Anthrax and Slayer, so I already was into stuff that was crazier, and right. I'm like, well, I'm seeing something that's got this positive kind of feel to it, oh, okay, and it was it. immediately attractive. Got it, got and it. And he was like, dude, you gotta listen to Screaming for Change, you gotta yeah. listen to some aggression, you gotta, like... And I was just immediately, like, right. it was, like, lights on. Right, that's where I'm going. Right, and uh, so he turned me on to like everything that I listened to today. Right, right. You know, and uh, I was really fixated on him as a guitar player. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, he was doing a band at the time with members that were coming in and out. Uh And I'm like, hey, you got a bass player now, dude. Like, well, let's yeah, let's. I'm hitching
0: my wagon to you. Right,
2: exactly. (laughs) And uh, we we played a high school party in 1987, Uh and it was filled with. Way more people than we expected. Right. Police helicopters. Cop talk like it was like it wasn't everything you wished for. Right. But it was a crazy attention that you were like thrown in the middle of. Right, right. So now like we were the guys in high school that had a band that played parties, that got crazy. Like and and our songs were we had these riffs and parts that were very structured. Okay. Four, 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 and you're done. And the lyrics were all improv. So we had a friend of ours named Matt who was just—he could talk about that chair over there while singing a hardcore style. Yeah, yeah, and nobody just nail it, right? Yeah, yeah, and. it was just one thing. Did, did,
0: did the entity have a name? Like, so this is like your first official band, in right? Yeah,
2: yeah, this was a band Paul had started called Absence of Reality.
0: Okay, and it was that's pretty. It's it, pretty good for yeah for a high school band <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I like that. So
2: it was uh, then later morphed into Absent Reality, which and I was like, you can't do two initials. You got to go back to three initials. Like it's so we had this kind of like you know balance <laughs> yeah, like issue. Yeah, like a shift in. Like,
0: I don't know yeah. if we need to change this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: don't shorten it. <laughs> Every time we played these songs, the lyrics were always different. Okay. But it always sounded good. Awesome, and we yeah. had like the riffs were always the same. We got a comfort in playing these songs. Uh-huh. And um so in nineteen eighty seven I moved to Big Bear. Oh, okay. And in that, Paul why, and I why did you guys were, move to Big Bear? My parents retired. Oh. And so they okay. were
0: like, Hey, this is a per- yeah. Right. We can either go to Palm Springs. <laughs> yeah. or we can go to Big Bear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And or you can stay you know, I right. can find an apartment somewhere. I'm like 17 just right out of my high school. I'm like, yeah, I've got zero right. dollars and, and a record habit where I just spend all my money on stuff. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not affording any apartments. <laughs> so I figured out, well, it's two and a half hours of Big Bear and back. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime... We had set up uh, there was like an escrow closing, so my parents were kind of gone all summer. Okay. At the new house, so we had their house. Oh wow. And so I was like, Hey, well we're getting ready to close the escrow, let's play a show here. The whole house was empty, so it was like, well, yeah, what can we what's do? gonna yeah. happen? Yeah, yeah. They've already bought the house, like what can we do? We're out of here. The drywall yeah. and right. so uh <laughs> so we I'm pretty sure there were flyers and this was the first show that was gonna be free will. Okay. It was like it was Paul and I, and and Matt was still singing. I'm pretty sure, and mm-hmm. our drummer no showed. Okay, so we played with vocals and guitar and bass, and people didn't care. Like it was <laughs> as if there was a drummer, and we were playing
0: a show. That's incredible. Well, yeah, I guess we'll do this. We're here. Holy shit! Yeah, exactly. We're yeah, plugged in. <laughs> one of the me. one of the most important parts of a band. <laughs> we can maybe not play without a bassist, but a drummer. <laughs> Whatever, we'll do it. Exactly. That's exactly. incredible.
2: So, uh, so after that, I was just like, "No, we're not messing. Like that guy's gone. Like okay, and we've got to make this thing serious." And so I had found, in the meantime, of, from doing the heavy metal fanzine, right. I had started a fanzine about hardcore and skateboarding. So through hard through that. Zine, and what what,
0: what appealed to you about zine culture? Because that's obviously set, like, it, I mean, recently it's obviously making a resurgence, obviously online. But like, rather than playing in a band, immediately you're like, I just need to do the zine. Like, what what hooked th- you with that? I think because uh, it's not easy, obviously. No,
2: no, no, and it's. <laughs> And back then with copies and stuff, it definitely wasn't quality. No. I think it was just to be a part of that culture that was communicating. Got it. And I, I think somehow I thought I was a music critic. Like I thought
0: oh, I okay. know what's good.
2: Sure, sure. And I need to inform people what's good. Right, right, right. Not to let them, not on the Not basis, from like a
0: preachy standpoint, but just, yeah. Right, right. My, I found some great shit. You should listen to this. Right, right. right.
2: And so, uh, you know, and through uh, through that uh mm-hmm. Era of doing the two different zines and two different genres. I had such an insane experience with like going to shows and meeting people and doing interviews. I interviewed King Diamond for three hours, That's once. and I was I was probably thirteen, oh my and God. he was probably doing that interview, being like, "How old yeah, are you?" Yeah, exactly. The editors coming here to do the oh, okay, he's getting, the editors coming my to edit- do the interview himself, and I walk in with my. You know, right. long hair. And, I, love the fa- uh,
0: I love the fact that you, like, you had the wherewithal to label yourself <laughs> as an editor. To be like, oh yeah, this is going to sound way more legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: incredible. Well, and of
2: course our, our credits were filled with names we put in there to make it look like we had some right. contributors, we had writers, we had a staff. Right. But, uh... Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I actually had gotten a letter from his label that said, oh, he's going to be in town, we're setting right. up interviews, and I... Yeah, they're going to give me an interview, and I called and I got an interview, and the two following interviews didn't show up. So I was really just just, hanging out, yeah, yeah, and it was kind of like, used to play pro soccer. Let's talk about that, and and he was like, oh my gosh, you know that I played soccer, and he just went on and on, and and it was just insane, right? You know, and if I had a cell phone at the time, I would have taken a picture, but (laughs) of course, me, I I didn't plan for that, right, right, right. Um, But long story short, uh, I think it was just that fact that. I thought, and as a lot of people do, like I've got an opinion about music that not only do I think my opinion's right in a way, but yeah. I love this band. Right. And like, I would go see shows where five people showed up, and I'd write We're, a thing and said, "How could? How come there weren't two hundred people? Like, this is right. a band that, need, that needs that can- needs to be heard. Who right, cares right, if right. it was a Tuesday night at the Troubadour? Yeah. People should have been there." Right, you know? right, right, right. Um, well, it's
0: it's funny. It's funny you say that because that's obviously like that's such mm-hmm. a instinctual part of you, and that obviously has dictated like what you've done. Throughout your, I mean, from the record label and stuff like that. That's just like, like these bands need to be heard. will right. oh, put out their records. Right, exactly.
2: Which... And and that's how when I started the label, I'm like, wow, this band has recorded stuff that no one's ever put out. Yeah, I like this band. Right, they've done things that I can totally respect and appreciate. I'm gonna start a label somehow. Right, and I'm right. going to figure out how to press. And you records. did you
0: you did that up while like while you were in Big Bear, right? Like that, right? Was the yeah, that started
2: up there. Um, there was just there were magazines at the time that had lots of. Well, there were more pressing plants in California, right? But they would have thousand seven inches for thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah, whatever. even yeah, you know, right. like I those, remember those yeah those those package deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I called a company, and uh, I said, "Hey, what's lacquer mastering?" Mm-hmm. And they go, "Yeah, you don't need to know that. Like that's just a." You know, just you just send in your check, and I was like, "Oh, really?" Bye. And then, like the next pressing plant I called was like, "Yeah," gave me all the answers I needed. I'm Uh like, "So I just send you a reel? Okay, I have to go to the studio and get a reel. Okay, it's a mixed down reel." okay, and I have to send it in to you, and...
0: Uh, I love that, it's awesome that, like, you had the courage to just be like, like, I don't know anything, can you tell me how to do this? Right, yeah. And, and it, it was like, that clerk could have been, like, <laughs> sent you in a whole different direction <laughs> if they were, like, every place you called was just like, shut up, little kid, like, yeah, or whatever. And,
2: yeah, and exactly, and if, <laughs> being the fact is like, having, dealing with dealing with stuff now, I'm like, God, like, those kids sometimes call me and go, how do I press a record? Right, and, right. And, you know, it's like... Wow, it's a real weird turnaround. Yeah, but yeah, for the same. sure. The process
0: continues. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I need to pass on this information. <laughs> uh, and so you're, like you were mentioning, when you were graduating high school, like, you know, did you care about it? Like, did you care about the studies? Did you care, like, were you like, I know that I'm not going to go to college, so I'm just going to exist?
2: Well, uh... Without saying so much, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it was kind of like, I'm just breezing. How much Right. we're out of here? Like, (laughs) I really got plans, and I got to figure something out. Right. And, uh, yeah, because my last year of high school... I had eight classes just to pass because I was like breezing by. All right, things. right, right. And uh, yeah, I had a class before school. I had a class at lunch. Like I had like, <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. if you want the credits, like this is you your gotta last do chance. this Right, right. And so uh, yeah, like I barely squeezed by.
0: And were were your parent like where were your parents at as far as like how they were reacting to you getting into this stuff that they obviously had no context for. Uh,
2: Remarkably supportive.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah.
2: Which uh, you know they would let me go out with my brother who was sixteen or seventeen at the time. I guess. Yeah. I
0: guess if they were like you know yeah. they felt that you both were together. It was, right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And and they trusted him and he was responsible mm-hmm. and we would go to Hollywood on a yeah <laughs> on a on Thursday a night, night. Wow. yeah to go see whatever band yeah I look back at at it now and I'm like God the support was insane right like I mean really. Even the acknowledgement to let you do something—it right. wasn't like they didn't care—and I could run around and do whatever I wanted. Like I had to get permission
0: to go, right? Right, right. and I had to be back there. Was a by structure you had to work. In. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And I knew that if I got outside of that structure, that there'd be uh, well, repercussions. Privilege, right, <laughs> privileges
0: would be revoked. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And it wasn't like I'd given my parents the finger i'm gonna do what i want like no, i was in a position where i respected my parents and yeah it was mutual and that's why
0: i think it's so funny where it's just like you see um it's like because i had this i had a similar experience like my mom definitely like didn't you know check in on me like she knew even though i'm I'm like only child and like i just showed her that i was responsible right and that like that bought me so much time and freedom and it's like you, you look at kids that go through that time of like you know, when they're 14, 15 years old and they start having that aggression towards their parents, where it's just like, right. your life's gonna be hard because you're doing that. Like, you could back, scale back a little bit. Right. And I, you'd probably be able to do more things you enjoy. Totally, <laughs> totally. And now, raising a 13 and a
2: half year old. Right. Uh, I'm very in tune or trying to be, Try to be yeah, with yeah. what's going on. Right, you know? right, right. And like, right. she'll, if there's ever like an outside influence that's bad or something, and I see that there's something that's in her, yeah. you know, vicinity of being bad. I just tell her, hey, life will change. <laughs> right. Things like you know whatever right. you're thinking about or hearing about, <laughs> yeah. Being, if stuff goes down, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
0: life changes in a flash. Right, like, right, your right.
2: situation completely changes. I, l-
0: I, I like that. I like how you phrase that. Like yeah. your your life can change.
2: Yeah, because a lot of times I'll go, hey, things aren't really that. Like she'll go, oh, this is bad or that's bad. I go, come on,
0: right. It's really so bad? Right. There's something that you don't understand right now. It's called perspective. Right. You won't get that until you're later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still dawning on me at this right, point. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. You, you won't have the full perspective until so you're like seventy seventy five. That's so The uh, New Age was such a um, I mean it's like I remember like when I first started to buy records and it was like it was so you know it was like a starter kit where it was like so pervasive to be like okay like in order to be a part of this sort of Southern California hardcore ecosystem Uh and I mean obviously even more on a global perspective too but it was like you had to get these records you know you had to get Life of Regret you had to get you know suppression all all these Uh other things that you were doing and so I mean I'm sure at the time it was uh, like you were just kind of putting one foot in front of the other where it was just like because it was growing so rapidly and yeah crazily i'm and sure
2: it, yeah and it was still the kid who thought he knew people needed to hear these bands right. i mean that's that's all it's ever been luckily um uh, because through through the years i had like hey so-and-so's got this record they uh, want to release you know two of the songs on a seven inch through you right and it was something that was on a huger label and i'd be like i wouldn't listen to this like i don't think this band is necessarily good yeah yeah, yeah. and uh Not that I've got to protect my fan base, but, like, like, I (laughs) listen to the bands I put out. Right. I like them. I I need to
0: legitimately enjoy this. Right, right.
2: right. And I couldn't put out something because it's going to sell twice as many. Business-minded, you could tell I didn't. You know, (laughs) as I stumbled into 1999 and 98, like, things have definitely changed. Of course. you know, I wasn't business-minded about many things.
0: Right. Well, you, you have to look at, like... I always look at it from the perspective where it's just like you know when people start to you know do the things like you know Revelation and obviously what you were doing where it was like clearly there was no template. Like, right. You weren't, you were literally figuring it out as you were going. Right. Like, and it's like the idea of paying royalties and like all these yeah. things where it's just like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah.
2: Where do I like, I'm good at making that record cover look shiny. Right. You know, like,
0: I, you know, the whole
2: business side and collecting from distributors and stuff. You know, when you mentioned earlier, is like, yeah, there was no set guideline about pressing records. It's right. Like, I didn't know anybody that had right. run a label. Right. You know, and other people that I met running labels had started around my time uh-huh. or, you know, were just, on different levels, to where there was no sit there was no commission of record labels. or Where right. I mean, like where it would be pretty amazing if everyone sat down and talked about their issues or their problems. Or like, hey, is that distributor not paying you? Well, hey, let's put some leverage on. Like, imagine right. if people had come together and been like, hey, so and so owes you money. Let's you know totally. And, I, and trust me, I had a few friends along the way that did do that. Sure, sure. You know, like oh, so and so's not paying you. Yeah, I'm not going to ship to him. Right. And then I'd get a check. Unfortunately, that didn't happen with people that owed me. Twenty and thirty, 000. right, right, exactly, yeah, a lot <laughs> but, of money, right, but right, right, yeah. I had, uh, yeah, I had significant debt in late nineties that was just crippling, right. You right. know, and it's like, okay, the power just got shut off. I'm moving everything into a one bedroom apartment, right. and Life is going to change, right,
0: and uh, that's really, I mean, I th- there's no choice but to turn this corner because like it's not sustainable, right, 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 right. right. Yeah,
2: I had a year where there was significant debt. Way too much stock out and right. bands crashing along the side where it was like
0: right like I I, I this I can't continue to do this yeah 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 yeah
2: and and definitely one of my faults was being a guy that was in a band and doing a label right because as the band guy I can sympathize with these bands doing stuff yeah 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 it's hard to be a businessman when you're busy sympathizing with right you guys broke down on tour and had to spend all the merch on a new transmission right what do I do right. It, you're in that spot to where right no I like
0: I've been there yeah I understand that right I'm friends with you yeah 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 that's that's the one thing that I've always like in watching you know in watching what you've experienced and like what the label has done where it's always struck me the most difficult thing that you do is being in business with your friends and being able to like maintain that either friendship or professionalism over a long period of time especially when you're that age right it's it's easier when you grow older because it's like you know I can be a dick to you during the workday. Right. And we'll get our job done because we're <laughs> yeah. adults. Right. But yeah, when you're younger like that and, like, you're in the middle of it, it's almost impossible to, like, have oh, yeah. that yeah. work with work with your friends on that perspective. Yeah,
2: and it's it's funny because I've heard the, the same scenarios from so many different people because sure. – out of this music scene so many businesses have formed with screen printing or merchandise like the different things that like oh we started this company well we're going to hire some buddies well that didn't go very good right, sometimes right. it does right but uh, I mean when it came down to when we actually hired a salesperson, right it was a guy we knew of course who had no background in sales right <laughs> <like> <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. and it was like what are you going to do right. Like, if I'd gone to college and like hey I took some business classes right well A I was punk rock and hardcore right Business, pff, yeah, yeah. Who needs that? Like we're doing it. Our I'm going way. on instinct. Yeah, 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 my gut. Yeah, like I'm gonna try to sell records for six bucks. We're not gonna shrink wrap them because shrink wrap destroys yeah. the. You know, like, we had so many agendas that it was it was hard to say. Well, we need a business mold. We need some kind of a form that we right. stick to in a way. Right, right. And so as you know, and it's funny too because I heard of so many stories along the way, of like. Oh yeah, so and so they don't they don't hire hardcore kids. What? Like how could that be? Like yeah, yeah they're looking for salespeople with experience in sales. What? Right. I can't even believe that. <laughs> like they should be hiring guys that know this stuff, who right. love this stuff. And there's a compromise somewhere. Of course. But the thing, uh, you know, I had heard that like there were job postings for record labels that were like, we want an accountant that has a degree and the Right, right. Uh, like wow! Yeah, like it that just was... didn't it
0: didn't compute because that's yeah. where, where you that's not where you were coming from exactly, what you were doing exactly.
2: And if I had come from that,
0: chances are things would be <laughs> right, right? New, yeah, new, new Age would be in a different light at this point in right. twenty thirteen. Right, right. Um, obviously, as like you know, uh, you were doing Free Will and everything like that, and Outspoken was so uh, interesting for me to reflect on. Like, obviously, never seeing you until you know you did, did reunion shows and everything mm-hmm. like that, because it was like. To me, outspoken was one of the bands that was uh, not afraid to obviously like talk about emotions. Like you know, you were taking lyrical content that was not the you know traditional sort of eighty eight hardcore, right? And right. it was like, and I, I presume that was a very distinct focus of the band, like from the get go.
2: Well, it was interesting because early nineties was such a time where let's talk about animal rights. Let's talk about, I mean, the late 80s into, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, late 80s into the 90s. In the 90s, it was fairly safe. Yeah. Like, you could kind of, like, you were preaching to the choir in a way. Right. But, like, every, the whole scene was making adaptations to Mm
3: -hmm.
2: new ideas and, you know, freer thinking and breaking a lot of molds and stuff. But when, you know, songs came up about, against homophobia right. and things like that. Like, that's when, like, there was so much jock mentality that, like, that was a stretch. Right. You know, like, to where you were really telling people to be who they really are. Right. And it's being expressed in music this way. And nobody was quite ready for that. Not that we were the only band doing it. No, right. But right, it was right. definitely something newer. It was interesting to see how a lot of that went down. Right. I mean, and it was funny, too, because reflecting on a show... That we played in 1990 in Phoenix, Arizona. Like mm-hmm. we'd had the demo out, the seven-inch out. It was interesting to go into a place, Phoenix, Arizona, that was riddled with Nazis. Like, sure. Just, and like out here, like they'd been run off and beaten up. Right. I right. mean, really, they'd, they they yeah. had to find some. they had been to dispersed. Go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mid '80s, totally different. Like there <laughs> right. was, it was a war zone. Right. But early 90s like those guys were gone mm-hmm. it was just such a rarity right? and so to go into an area that had a sm- much smaller scene where a lot of those scenes fed off each other and punk bands would play with hardcore bands and there'd be a metal band or something right. where early 90s like a lot of that crossover stuff had been pushed into its own little corner sure. but the show in Phoenix uh, we had a song against racism and at the club if you looked out it was filled with obvious Nazi skinheads 90%. Right, right, right. And there was, there was the guys in Undertale, Uh-huh. There was 90% skinheads. <laughs> there was a few people that will go under some other category. <coughs> right. And, uh, and us on stage. Right. And one of the greatest things John ever said mm. is this goes out to all you Nazi motherfuckers. uh uh-huh. And we didn't start playing that song. The stage was rushed. There were 25 guys jumped up on stage. Right. It was an immediate uh, right. panic situation. Of course, of course, because it was like it well, was you were
0: outnumbered clearly. Yeah, it yeah. was a
2: very independent club, right? And that had you know it was uh, one
0: one security guard at the front door. Yeah, right. I
2: right. mean, if they had any sort of licensing or permits, I'd be shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But John never backed down from that statement.
0: Uh huh.
2: And strangely enough, the people that jumped in between us mm-hmm. and the Nazis were other Nazis. Because the club was run by Nazis.
0: Oh, there you go. And they
2: might be Nazis, but they were hired as security. Right. So they kept... They had an agenda. They kept their buddies away from us. Uh Uh-huh. Which is mind-blowing in itself that they didn't just go, Hey, we're off the clock. Let's Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, It was just one of those... Instances. Standing up, yeah, it was yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. instances where like we're here, mm-hmm. we're in your world, and we're gonna still say what we came to say. Right, right, and it, it's tough. It,
0: it's it's tough to have the perspective where it's just like you know now it's like you know most most bands can you know critique basically anything on stage, mm. um, and for the most part, you know, like people aren't gonna interact with that. Right, so they'll be like, oh, like yeah, like you know that's cool, a clap or right. you know whatever. But it's like yeah, to like you know go into the quote unquote lion's den. And to like yeah. face something like head on like that right. like that's you know that, yeah, was, and that we, was just
2: there was no forewarning of like hey right. this place is run by it was like hey we got you a show we're gonna play <laughs> right, right, a right. show right. and we were on tour and excited to be playing anywhere and I just remember we made it to the car uh-huh. and the security guys you really got to get out of here right. like it's really it's, t- be a it's time right yeah and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just so mind blowing because I just remember John giggling about it right. just being like wow. Wow. Like this that was. Yeah, yeah. Like we're driving away from this, yeah. not in an ambulance, right. but in our car. Right. And yeah, we were touring in a Ford Escort with uh. a car carrier on top. And we just got all of our stuff in there. I don't think we sold a shirt that Right, any. right. <laughs> and uh, we just drove away. And I I mean, reflecting on it now, it's I remember what happened, but there's like this majesty about it. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, that's one of those things that just you know yeah I would want it to happen again I was just going to say I wouldn't want it to happen again but now knowing what I know and
0: right and uh, well the the, the fact it's like that obviously just that's why you're involved in independent culture where it's just like the fact that, you know, we are playing this fringe-style music, like, that's one thing. But the fact that there's obviously something behind it... Right. ...that is, like, meaningful... Right. ...and not just getting on a stage and playing well, music. Well, and
2: we could have easily said, hey, this song's called Blindly in the Blind, and just played the song. Yeah. But he dedicated it to right. the guys it was against. <laughs> right.
0: Which, I of mean... Course, it, of course, of course. It's... it's you it's, can only do that in your early 20s, late right. teens, whatever. Right, yeah, yeah.
3: right, <laughs> yeah. Nobody,
2: nobody's interested in running away from that situation now. Right, right. But, uh... It was just one of those things that, like, bravo. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was just, you know, I wish I'd said it. You
0: know, it
2: it, it was just one of those things, like, at least I was on the winning side. Yeah, of
0: course. You were, yeah, you were, you were present. Like, there was nothing, you you know, you didn't immediately run away.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was just, it was magical. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And, and you've always always struck me with, like, obviously all of your endeavors that, you know, you, you don't just do one thing. (laughs) Like, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> right. Unfortunately. Which, which, uh, I mean, I, I find that such <clears throat> a uh, like in, an inherent part of like what like independent DIY culture is, where it's just like, and it's not so much like the whole you know jack of all trades, master of none. Oh, this is exciting! I want to do this too.
2: Right. Yeah, and and luckily. Hardcore is based upon, like, you can do whatever you want to do. You can take and create something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And you can... Like, there's no set rules with anything. It's not like, oh, in this heavy metal band, this guy's the guitar player, and he's going to be that guitar player for 20 years. It's like, it's easy to do projects and other things. Because everyone's got the same mindset that, hey, we can run over to that studio for 25 bucks an hour, and we can write a demo, or we can make a demo. or You know, like... On our level, it's so easy to do so many different things and be creative and be spontaneous right. that it doesn't take all this planning and all this money and... Right. and
0: well, like, what risk is there? Yeah, you don't need
2: powers <laughs> to be. Like, especially now that... Like, now the DIY culture is everywhere mm-hmm. and bands are recording... Like, they're renting a bunch of studio gear and recording stuff in their houses and stuff. Right. But we did that however many years ago. Like, that's yeah. what we've all we've always had to get by on what we had or had access to. Right. And so, yeah, like our culture became what right. mainstream wanted you yeah know? like yeah. now they don't need labels they're doing stuff on their own and and uh it's it's amazing you know right. technology has blown past everybody to where all this stuff is right amazing it, yeah quality. It, gives, it gives
0: people creative freedom to obviously express however they want right. to express themselves yeah. and not like you said have barriers there's all these barriers to entry.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. The
0: um and then basically you know obviously as you know with the end of outspoken and Amendment 18 and everything like that the it, Amendment 18 was always really interesting because I mean obviously it's like it was so unabashedly you know straight edge like right was, the, the, <laughs> the message was clear <laughs> um, and it was always uh, the time in which you guys were playing was interesting because that wasn't that wasn't a thing like people oh, yeah. weren't, people weren't doing it Correct. and you guys like you guys pushed hard against that right and like you you that was like a badge of pride where you're just like well, yeah, this isn't, like, people aren't really doing bands like this right now. Right. And it's like, and we come from a pedigree of, like, where we've done this for <laughs> fucking years. Right. And it's, so so I always thought it was an interesting juxtaposition where it was like, you know, you were playing to much younger audiences that, you know, may have negative connotations of what Straight Edge is mm. because it was that time where it was, right. like, just peeling away from the gangs and everything like that. Right. Um, and was it, was it one of those things that, like, you guys did have that sort of, like, and not in a negative way, but like the chip on your shoulder, where it was like, we are we are approaching this with like a, a venom that like we don't we just don't like what's happening right now, uh, in a way. Yeah. Um. And it
2: basically boils down to doing what you want to do. Right. And like and for instance, it was the music that we grew up on. Right. And uh, which was complete. There was no scene. Real. I mean. Little bits and pieces, right. like we could go to the PCH and have a great time. Of course, in, And right. we could play with bands just like us, right. Uh, getting shows at the showcase or venues that were a little bigger, right, uh, was difficult because sure. we'd piss some people off, right. Like with saying what we said, and sure, uh, there were a lot of bands we just were a clash with musically, sure. You know, like oh, how, we got a show, we got on a show with AFI and and Good Riddance, and it's like right. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, we'll try that crowd. Maybe that crowd will yeah. look at these old men and think that they've got something to say. Right. So we ha- like we never really fell in with anybody, and we were at an age where it's not like all our high school buddies are going to come see our band. It's yeah. like we were definitely in a position where people were off at college or done with college and started right. careers. They're not going to go to the showcase on a Tuesday, right. you know. And so uh, the funny thing was, we weren't. If you want to say successful in a way or right. received well, was in Orange County.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we would go to Salt Lake City and play for four hundred and fifty kids. Yeah. Yeah. And out there, I don't know why we were strangely embraced in a way. Right. So we'd make three or four trips out there a year. Sure. You know, and we would book a West Coast tour and couldn't wait to get to Salt Lake couldn't City because yeah, yeah, yeah. we had friends now right. and and it was just a, a much more open-minded scene in a way. Sure. And I think. A lot of bands that are from bigger areas, when they get to smaller areas, they can be appreciated in a way. Yeah. Because smaller areas, your resources are so much less. Right. And You're starved like, for shows. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And especially areas where there'll be snow parts of the year, where That's bands true. won't go there. Right. Like, hey, let's go there. It's you know. Right. It's however many hours away, and let's it's, just we'll go straight there, play a show, and come straight home.
0: No, it's all. I've always I've always said that it's like the you know, whatever in the, you know, mid to late nineties, like late nineties when I was doing more tours, like, you know, when if we were working with a quote unquote agent and they would send us like, you know, and I use that term very loosely. Right, right. Where it was a person who helped book <laughs> you shows and then they sent you, you know, your your itinerary. And I just always remember being like oh cool like we're playing Philadelphia we wouldn't be playing Philadelphia we'd be playing a suburb obviously right, right. and it was like as we did that it was became so much more meaningful because it was like like you said these are places that bands don't play Right. and it was like you know nine times out of ten when you would play a major city it, the show would be okay right. but then you know you travel an hour two hours outside of it and it'd be like incredible yeah and it was just like that yeah like you said well and
2: plus you you go into a big area like that you're competing with every sports event like and hey there's only so much money people have to spend on their entertainment so right you know it's it's kind of like
0: uh is it is that did that mimic the kind of feeling like when you know when outspoken was doing uh you know a lot of the touring that you were doing in the early 90s like did did it mimic that feeling where it's like you would roll up to a place and be like they're just here to experience something because they don't get anything
2: no, okay. because because outspoken only we did one West Coast tour in 1990. Right, where we hit Portland, okay. Seattle, Phoenix, Arizona. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and oh, you guys never hit the you you never hit the East Coast. Well, we hit the East Coast, but it wasn't. A uh-huh. tour. We're going to use the word tour loosely. Right. We had done that, the West Coast tour in nineteen ninety. Okay. And then because of John's job, he mm-hmm. could only get off. He was only off oh, on weekends. Sure. Right. So right. he couldn't take a week and do anything. Sure. So we would load up the van, drive across country. He would fly into New Jersey. We'd play New Jersey, DC, Syracuse, oh, and he'd fly and out. Fly back. And we would drive all the way home. Wow. So we were driving across right. country for three shows to just drive home. Wow. And we did that three different times. Oh, so and you would ha-
0: like you, you would obviously have to really make sure that these shows you were playing would a- at least cover a plane ticket.
2: <laughs> and sometimes they didn't. <laughs> and so, but I mean, you factor in gas across country, a van rental. Right. It was ridiculous. Right, you know, it, right. it made no sense. And that's why we did it then and can't do it
0: now. Right,
2: right, um, right, right. The demeanor at the shows was different. It was hardcore kids were there mm-hmm. to see a band they'd either heard of or heard and definitely a different experience like we were playing with bands that knew us that we were very similar to you know we would go to Syracuse and play with Earth Crisis
0: and the building would be full of people sure and we'd play New Jersey with mouthpiece because the concept of touring was always like it didn't make sense when you were like you know for me like 14 15 16 years old like you know whatever when a band would come through and you'd see them you'd be like, oh, they disappeared here.
2: Right, right. There was no concept of... Like, oh, they,
0: they drove eight hours to get here. Right. And so it's like the idea that it, it was an event when a band, like, you know, when Outspoken was playing New Jersey or something like that. Right. It was more of an event because they are just like, oh, these dudes, like, they're from California. Yeah,
2: they just drove three days to be here.
0: <laughs> Right, right. Like, and it was... It, 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 you, you became more cognizant of it and you realized that something was special when right, right, it was and, coming through.
2: And booking tours with a phone right. instead of an email. Of you know, I love the fact that I've got to experience that from you know late 80s to now where you send an email and there's a website and you can look and see what's going on at a club. Right. Or, hey, I got this number and you've got to track somebody down and maybe right. somebody's got to call you back. Um, the, the third East Coast trip We did I think they're more Trips than tours Right We had tried to Do one with four shows Okay And we drove straight From Orange County To Louisville, Kentucky To play with Endpoint Okay And we were like Oh my gosh We're gonna play In Louisville, Kentucky Yeah Endpoint It's great They haven't played In a while And we got there And the show had canceled And the And f- the the strange thing was, is we'd left two days earlier from here, and the show hadn't canceled. And we don't have a phone. Right. We have directions to get there, and we don't need to call and check in. No. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it would mean any. We got to drive there. We got to drive. Right. Past we're going it. there anyway. Yeah. 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 And so uh, we drove for two days or whatever it was, and we got there and got out of the van. And guess what? The show's canceled. Right. And you're like, it's hey, where is everybody? It's like we were just in a we were just in a forty eight hour s- scrimmage to get out of here. Right. It was just like. You know, like changing drivers while the van's moving and, you know, printing shirts and throw them in the van and you drive away and you pull the shirts out and they're still warm from the dryer. I mean, that's... Right, right, right. right. That's when you become that jack of all trades. It's right, like, right, right. okay, we're going to print the shirts. We're going to do all this stuff because we can. Right. And we're able to do and, it. And
0: it, out of necessity. Like, right. Like, how else are we going to get this done? Right,
2: right. And we have... The ability, and we have the manpower, and we can have the machinery or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I remember that was the that was the trip. We tried to get four shows in, and we only got three. three. (laughs) We were usually able to play near the place we had played the time before, or the same. You know, we played Syracuse a few times. We did Boston. We did DC. Sure, New Jersey, and they were all. Three trips were all great shows. Great shows, shows. You know. right, right, right. And the last one we did, we played New York City for the first time. Okay. And uh, it was on the current record. Like mm-hmm. it was really the big bash. Right, not that we fe- right. we didn't know at the time, but that was it the last time. It felt really we were good, right, right, right. Yeah.
0: Multiple aspects of like what you're doing now where obviously it's like, you know, you're involved in like independent wrestling culture. uh uh-huh. Um, and then like, you know, like you mentioned, your father. It's like there's all there's all these things, like obviously so much is informed you to where you are at currently, like what, what appeals to you about, like, the whole independent wrestling thing? Because, like, this entire subculture that no one knows about until they peek in, they're like, oh, my right. God, like, <laughs> there's this whole thing here. Like, there's a, there's a whole thing.
2: Yeah, well, um, it comes back to the way I've transitioned into anything. Like, uh-huh. as a kid growing up, everyone loves it. Well, most people yes. love wrestling. sure. And so when I remember watching local cable shows in mm-hmm. the late 90s, this is in Van Nuys? Right. Like, you're kidding me. Yeah. I can go to these shows. And what I'm watching is crazy. Right. And it was the same feeling of when you got a flyer for Fenders Ballroom and you said, I don't know where Long Beach is, right. but there's shows there right. and there's all sorts of bands I've heard I gotta of. i got to
0: figure out how to get there, right? Yeah. Now.
2: And at the time, getting from Santa Clarita to Fenders wasn't easy. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh but in the same way of what's appealing to you and mm-hmm. what becomes accessible right. is, is how involved you want to get. Which is crazy, too, because from getting involved in a company that, that had decent budgets and was doing wrestling shows, right. and that being my first step into this is independent wrestling. Mm-hmm. Well, they were way on the high scale of independent wrestling. Okay. Like lots of things were below that in right. budget. It was a there pretty was,
0: well-oiled machine that you were stepping into. It was like, oh, wow. Right, okay.
2: right. And so I really appreciated that uh-huh. place we were at. But it was it was funny, though, because in 1990, I was meeting guys that were wrestling and totally into hardcore. Yeah. And it was like, dude, we can go have a conversation somewhere. And, like, there were guys that I met. There's one guy in particular that my friend Scott, who came in from Oakland to wrestle and he was in my office and he said uh, what kind of hardcore bands are you into and I said Mm. well I'm into this and that he goes oh my two favorite bands are 411 and Outspoken (laughs) I just sat there and I kind of look at him and he's like what? Right. I was like, "Did somebody put you up to this?" I'm right, kind of like right. waiting. And Where's the like, joke? Yeah, yeah. He's like, "What do you mean?" And so we had a conversation. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, which is funny because now he's gone to shows and he's become a friend on many levels. But right. through wrestling, like I've met so many guys that are straight edge. Yeah, and so many guys that are straight edge and not into hardcore. They're just in the straight, like, right. they're into, I know what the thing, straight edge is, where there's a music scene it's did you, along
0: with it. I, I'm so, it's so funny that you, like, because obviously people like you and I, where we've grown up in the culture, but it's like, when I do meet people that use that label mm-hmm. for themselves, but then it's like, they're like so far removed. They're, oh yeah. It's like, they're like mainstream. It's yeah. like, you know, they're, the edgiest music they listen to is like Dave Matthews band. Exactly. And I'm like, how'd you find out about yeah, this? Like Yeah. You just found it online. It's, like, <laughs> it's mind
2: blowing. What do you listen to? Oh, I listen to. Yeah, radio music, like, right? But
0: I know you just mentioned straight edge. I know it, it does. It blows my mind. It's yeah. like I mean, it's so it's it's great that it's obviously become so mainstream that it's like that word has been taken from the scene and it's right. everybody's right. Name. And yeah. that's I mean, obviously, it's like you look at CM Punk, or it's just like yeah,
2: absolutely, yeah. He right. doesn't mention music, no. Which is he, it, there's just uh, around this whole thing. There's a whole nother level, of right? It. Right. And who would ever think in yeah. their right mind that a straight edge gimmick in wrestling? would work work. and make a heavyweight champion that's one of the most prolific guys that is it's just mind blowing if somebody said we've got this idea I would have
0: said no one will care about that 10 years ago you'd be like that, that will lose you massive amounts of money
2: and that's why I am right. where
0: I am in wrestling yeah the parallels between like you know it like independent wrestling and touring and like you know doing that whole life. like oh, there's yeah. so much so many similarities
2: right and it, it's it's interesting too because you book a venue right. you make flyers there you got somebody's got to run the door right it's <laughs> So similar, but I'm sure there's 50 other things. It's just like, but the parallels are crazy. Yeah, good attitudes, bad attitudes. Right. Guys breaking down on the way to the show. It, sure. It, I mean, there's every aspect of what you've if you've booked uh, a hardcore music show, right? Or any kind of show, you deal with yeah. everything with talent, you right. know. And basically, everything falls into talent and budget and right, right, your right, venue right. and security and. But I think the one thing that is easier about wrestling, is mm-hmm. you're dealing with individuals. That's true. Like, an individual can't break up right. and not come because they got in a fight. Like, That's it's true. it's on everyone's individual... Right.
0: Uh, it's on their shoulders. Totally. As a, right, as opposed totally. to corralling, you know, herding cats and five individuals. Right, then, right. <laughs> right.
2: Yet every car can break down. right, it's, right. It's, right. you know, hey, we can't pay you back because the van broke up. Right. Like, that part of the label side, I think, was... Just such an incredible nightmare. Like, oh, yeah, what do you mean? I just spent X amount of dollars on your recording and X amount of dollars on manufacturing right. and advertising,
0: and, and you, you don't you've feel like up. touring. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, yeah,
2: you're gonna take that CD and show it to your kids and go, Look what your dad did one day, like,
0: right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I've got a gun to my head. Like, right. what do you mean you're not going to <laughs> I
3: didn't.
0: I didn't need to spend $50,000 yeah, yeah. investing in a memory for you.
2: I could have made a down payment on a house, yet now I've got a garage full of CDs. Right. What's the recycle rate on plastic? Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, Five great. cents on the ton or something. Right, yeah. It's
0: like, that's that's great. That'll really pay off. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like you were mentioning, you're a father. It, it, it's really interesting. I mean, I have a two year old, and it's like it, it, the concept of like we were not into what our parents were into. Right. That's a reality. Right. And like clearly, our children are going to
2: not be old. right, not right. be into yeah. what
0: we're into. But it's like we're essentially involved in independent youth culture, like yeah. still, and right. we're old right. for all intent and purposes. What has your experience been growing older? within this thing that we call you know independent music and then obviously having a child and experiencing that
2: uh it's uh it's pretty incredible Mm -hmm. I mean anything you can stick with and see transition over decades yeah you know there's going to be good and bad of course but to see how things progress and regress and right what people think they're entitled to and the way things change with venues and you know, people being at the mercy of their computer right. and like music becoming disposable in so many ways that now every band's got to go out with 10 t shirts or they can't survive because they're not going to sell a CD. Right. You know, right. and maybe they've got vinyl, maybe they don't. But sure. the whole way to really survive, and I don't mean even flourish, I mean to survive, right. is you've had to adapt to. Sure. Which is something like when A18 started and as we progressed, Music was going in so many different directions that didn't go yeah. the way we were going. Right. Like, we had to go where, you know, people would listen to us in a way. Right, right. You know, and right. we went to a lot of places purposely where people wouldn't listen right, to right, us. You right, know, right. You know, it's part of the give and take of it. But right. to see what my daughter's into and exposed to, it's really interesting because a lot of it falls back on, like, oh, now I remember when my dad said, your music's nothing, it's going Back yeah, in our yeah, day, yeah. we had, there's so much of that because now she's into nothing but what's on the radio. Right. And what's popular? And
0: do you do you have to do you find yourself like pulling back to like like you know obviously everyone's just like oh I don't want to sound like my father I don't want to sound like a parents and like that's like a common trope like, right that's a, right and it's like do you do you find yourself pulling back occasionally to be like okay like like I, I am not going to say that because I know that that sounds like something that would have been said to me absolutely yeah, yeah.
2: absolutely yeah. I, when she plays something that's not really bad, I'll go, hey, that's better than that other thing. Right, right. You know, so I'll try to encourage her in the yeah. way to like, you should play that more and right, not... Right, right. You, yeah, you
0: can dish that a little bit, right? Yeah.
2: But I mean, it's funny too and to be 13 and being exposed to so many different kinds of music. Right. Is there something she thinks her friend listens to and likes it's awful and two weeks later she's like well now i gave it a chance and now it's great right it's not great yeah yeah, yeah, you know but i don't want our entire time spent together you're not you're not you're not gonna be a tastemaker right you're gonna be like okay here's (laughs) everything right you gotta look at this heavy metal zine from 1982 (laughs)
0: totally there's an article when poison put out their demo yeah that you know she'll she'll fall asleep by the first sentence right okay dad yeah worst thing ever yeah yeah
2: yeah what is he saying (laughs) i don't understand and I go, hey, I'll put on Morrissey. Okay, right, right. you know, now I got her attention. So it's like right. the things I ease her into, and the things that I just know she. Yeah, it's just like make.
0: no. This is this this is an insurmountable <laughs> task. I will not be able to accomplish this.
2: Yeah, so there's definitely times where I'm like, I could make a comment
0: now, but let's not. Yeah, let's let's scale back on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you obviously wanting to do this and hang um, out, and it was fun for me.
2: It was very <laughs> fun for me too. Thank you. But very it's, much. it's
0: hard. It's it's definitely hard to just kind of like. Trounce over so many things, but it's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> like, you know, there especially for a person like yourself who's obviously done a lot of things. So it's like, yeah, but I think we did a good job.
2: Oh, thank you very much. It's been a lot of
0: fun. So there you go, Mike Hartsfield. I was really uh, happy to have this conversation with him because I didn't know how he was going to feel in regards to, uh, you know, kind of rehashing the past. Because, um, you know, sometimes people just don't like to talk about that stuff, but Mike was very open and honest, and uh, it was great. So um, shout out to Tom Richfield. He is the editor of this show. Propertyofzack.com. Visit them. 100wordspodcast.com. Visit us throughout the week. I post stuff that I find online that I think you should watch, listen, view, consume, whatever. And uh, until next week, thank you very much.